Greetings and welcome to the Elephant TV. My name is Joe Kobothi. Today I'll be speaking to Sheila Masinde. Sheila is the Executive Director of Transparency National in Kenya. I welcome Sheila to, to the Elephant. Thank you, Joe, for interviewing me today. To start this conversation, uh, for the last 20 years or so, you know, uh, you know, part of the governance conversation in, in this country has been the more we liberalize the economy, we also have to have a political reform. And, and that came, part of this political reform came with, uh, you know, that we have to make our institutions accountable, transparent, the whole, you know, the whole corruption, the corruption conversation. Uh, in your view, you know, uh, 22 years, over 25 years since, you know, the 1990s wave, how far, how far have we gone as a, as a, as a country towards, towards meeting this? I think on paper, there's been quite a lot of progress mm -hmm. on paper in regard to the development of key legislations and also policy and also the setup of institutions to strengthen transparency and, and accountability in Kenya. When you look at legislations like the Anti-Corruption and Economic Crimes Act, the Public Officers Ethics Act, you know, the public procurement laws, the access to information laws, the, um, and, and many others, because there are also some pro accountability pro focused provisions uh, scattered across various other legislations. And of course, even our, our constitution that was promulgated in 2010. I think that, that, that is very good progress in terms of having certain, um, our, our vision in terms of accountability, integrity in this country put down on paper. Now, the, the problem has been in the implementation and that's where we've been stuck for now a few years now uh, because despite these laws would have expected that now would be basically doing much better in the promotion of integrity, the fight against corruption. But when you look at our performance, even in, in global indices that measure public sector corruption, we are seemingly still struggling, um, underperforming, you know, below the global average, not doing well even uh, continentally when you compare with other countries. Um, some who have even, what I would say, weaker legal and legislative infrastructure and constitutional frameworks that support the fight against corruption, but are doing better than us, then you really then start to question um, why we have not translated what we have on paper into practice in terms of ensuring that there's more accountability, more openness, and uh, particularly in terms of even we have institutions. We have institutions that have followed the constitution, the, the, the constitutional provisions, particularly chapter 15 of the constitution, um, which, which, which provides for key independent offices and institutions, which are supposed to really ensure that that constitution is implemented in its spirit and letter. But there's a feeling that some of these institutions have not really performed um, Maybe it's something to do with their independence. There's still been a, a, some level of of political infiltration or manipulation uh, in some of them. But there's also been an attempt to weaken them, you know, um, functionally and also financially. Because the moment they don't have that financial or functional autonomy, then it means they're still um, under the really under the executive and just acting on the whims uh, of the executive. And that's what I would say has really 
stopped Kenya, you know, from living the dream of the Constitution of Kenya 2010 and also uh, fully implementing some of the laws that have been put in place. Coupled with that, of course, we have to talk, look at the political goodwill, you know, to, 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 uh, to fight corruption, to promote good governance. Um, and I think for me, when I look at, think about the political goodwill to address corruption, and the fight against corruption that happened in fits and starts. You know, we seemingly get to a point where there seems to be a high and we have all this political rhetoric and, and pronouncements and the commitments that are made uh, to, to address corruption. But then there seems to be no follow through because some, I, I, I get the sense that most of this has just been for the sake of scoring, you know, political you know, gains, uh, but not really to ensure that there's real, true reform in this country. Mm -hmm. When you look at even some of the actions that ha happened in, in, say, in the last regime uh, from 2015, particularly starting with the, you know, the list of shame, uh, that, that was the, the list of individuals in, in office, in public office that had been, were being investigated or had been taken to court. And uh, the president then asked that they step aside and most of them did actually. Uh, but then those cases, most of them went, they, they went nowhere. And then from 2017, there was an effort to, through the, the ESCC, the DCI, you know, there were all these cases being investigated of high profile individuals, uh, many of them serving in, in public office. Uh, many of them uh, proceeded to court, but then in the last five months, those are the cases that we are seeing uh, collapsing, you know, either by, by the ODPP filing for their withdrawal or some of those uh, accused actually being acquitted uh, by, by the courts. So you then ask yourself, okay, there this, this seemed to be some somewhere we're going, but then seemingly not. Uh, and then you almost feel like all this <laughs> could have been in the imagination, could have been in your imagination, yeah? Because there were all these efforts in the last six or so years, but then now we're told, you know, actually there was no case there. So you, you then question the independence of some of these key institutions that are charged and mandated to fight corruption and also the political goodwill to let these institutions uh, work and to let people who have been responsible for theft of massive resources in this country, you know, carry their own cross. Mm. I mean, you, you mentioned something around uh, goodwill. And what is it about uh, political culture of, of Kenya uh, such that, I mean, as you rightly said, we have passed all this legislation, we have, uh, we have, we have built institutions to fight corruption, but there's almost a disconnect between uh, the macro policy and legal remedies and you know, and, and and the subtext of norms, norms, attitudes, behavior change, that our political culture can't can't rehabilitate itself to now become a corrupt society. What is it about our political culture that makes it this way? It's just the political culture is is guided by impunity. Um, we know, and our politicians know that no one is going to hold them accountable. Um, in the last few years, we thought that the courts would ensure that there's that accountability and ensure that people who are responsible are then punished. We've only seen a few people, yes. We've seen some cases uh, proceeding to, 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 to conviction and people actually are going to prison, a few people. 
but not many. And that still gives you the sense of the level of impunity. You know, that sense of utadu. Like, I will still steal. I will still, I will go to a public office. I will leave it there. I will steal, you know, literally leave a, a strong institution and, and finish it and steal and leave it to the ground bare. But nothing is going to happen to me you know, because I am on the right side politically. And you have even seen that many politicians, especially, and that's the sense I get, that when you have been uh, on the wrong side of the law, you try to get on the right side politically, mm -hmm. you know, so that you can then uh, be redeemed. But that's really because of the high level of impunity, because we have failed to punish uh, the corrupt. And also just the, the, the I would also uh, attribute it also partly to the corruption of our systems. You know, um, we are not quite sure whether some of our inst our institutions, our key institutions, uh, whether it is the courts and some of these independent institutions are purely independent. And so that's why many times you find people questioning uh, judgments or decisions or processes. Um, we've also seen also there's been a bit of concern also with a high level of, I would say, corruption, even in, 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 the, in, the, in the judicial system. I mean, when we did our last bribery, conducted our last bribery index in, and published, which was published in 2020, the judiciary topped that list of the most bribery-prone institution. What confidence that, does that give you, um, uh, you know, in, in regard to then its, its independence or ability uh, to be able to ensure that you know, people who are responsible for corruption are then are then are then punished. So there are questions around that because it seems like impunity always seems to overpower our our institutions. But other than that, it's just it's just bare greed. That's what I would attribute it to. We're, we that that the political elite political class have just demonstrated greed. You want to be as wealthy, you know, and amass as much as the, the, the person who was in office, you know, before you are forgetting that right now there's really little to steal in Kenya. We are, we are, we are struggling as, a, as an economy. So there's really little, but politicians don't seem to care that whether there's nothing or not, whether we have a high um, level of, we're crumbling at a high level of debt um, or, or Kenyans are struggling with the cost of living and inflation, that you still must leave that public office with something that belongs to the to the public. I just attribute it to bare greed, but it's just something also, it tells you something about our, our norms and culture. You know, there's a, there's a point at which I think that our corruption was, was became almost accepted, normal, you know, and it's unfortunate that now progressively generations that have as we continue to grow have now believed that it's it's normal i mean you, you steal from the public that's normal if you if you steal i mean if i steal 10 shillings you know from someone i mean that that will be criticized you know that will make headline news mm -hmm. but if i steal 15 billion i mean oh my goodness that's so much money that's okay that's normal you know that's that's that, that's almost a lopsided the lopsided view that we have of theft in this country because you don't you don't hear that hue and cry of of Kenyans you know going after people who have been accused or even found guilty of stealing I mean you've seen even um, the for for people say who were found guilty of of theft or misappropriation of funds or abuse of office even for those who are uh, say. Uh, um, found guilty, but then allowed, given the option to pay fines. You know, the moment they pay fines, look at the number of citizens who wait for them out, outside the courts to celebrate that they have 
you know, been set free because they've been able to pay for fines, despite the fact that they were found guilty. What does that tell you about the attitude that we have around theft by politicians and our, our acceptance that we, are, we accept them? You know, we've had people saying that, yes, I'm able, but I'm not you know, and, and then they go straight from the courts uh, to, to, to vie for, for, for public office. And those are the people who get elected over the clean people. So I think we've not, we, we've kind of normalized uh, theft. I'm not even calling it corruption. We've normalized theft um, such that it, we find it okay to, to, to steal large amounts of money. But you will only stigmatize people who steal, you know, the, the, the village thieves and other, other smaller thieves still though theft theft whether it's of one shilling or a hundred billion or so that, that is still theft and we really must name and shame and stigmatize you know anyone who gets away with anything that belongs to 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 someone else especially when it comes to the taxpayers resources speaking of naming and shaming uh uh the kenya kwanza government there are those i mean high level individuals particularly during the campaign season who came out and said uh the agenda of the agenda of one of the, the corruption is not on the agenda. It's not on the agenda of the Kenya Kwanza team and the government. Uh, in your view, someone who who has who has really spent time, you know, championing uh, governance and anti-corruption, what does that do for 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 a, a state that is has been doing badly in the fight against craft? What does that do? Mm, I mean, not that, not not just what does it do, but what has it done already? Because what has happened already is that we now, because of that, can I say, deprioritization of anti-corruption and even leadership and integrity tenants, you then ensure that your cronies and allies who have been accused of theft of public resources are the same people now responsible for, for public resources. You know, because you you have basically sent our chapter six of the constitution on leadership and integrity to Coventry, you know, and and that is dangerous, mm -hmm. especially at this point in our country where we are struggling with resources. I mean, every other day you're seeing uh, news and statements from the treasury saying that we don't have money. You know, we've dig ourselves, we've dug ourselves into a deep 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 dark hole that we, we will take time to get out of. You know, those warning signals keep coming from, it's either the DP or the president or the, or the treasury CS who are always making those statements every other day. That's what you hear. But yet when you look at the, the, the priority that they've given for anti-corruption, then you wonder, okay, so what exactly is going on? Because for me, if we are to get any gains from our economy or return, to, return our economy to a you know, functional state or to rehabilitate it, we have to put anti-corruption, you have to put good governance at the center of it. Mm -hmm. Because already we have to admit that corruption is responsible for where we are as an economy. You know, the corruption in terms of monies that were borrowed, um, there was no accountability for a lot of money when you look at some of the projects that were financed by, by loans. Um, when you look at even what was being financed by government from taxpayers' uh, resources, um, there's been no accountability. And that's why we're where we are now. So I would have expected that anti-corruption would have been a, 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 basically a buttressing pillar, you know, for all the programs of the, 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 the new, any government, whether it was Labin Azimio or Kenya Kwanzaa, yeah? 
because you you have to ring fence basically you have to ring fence those little resources that you now say we have you know from theft but i don't see that happening uh, looking at the people who have been uh, who have issues and which citizens um civic agencies have long been highlighting that these people have issues and should not have been allowed anywhere near a public office but now they're there so I, I i really then doubt whether we'll be able to grow this economy with the kind of people uh, who are there because you don't entrust someone with issues we should have actually let them because again the other question that i have is or a concern rather is some of these people who are again processed very quickly through the criminal justice system where you have people who had cases, some of those cases, a lot of those cases have collapsed. I think we have now almost 11 or 12 cases uh, which have collapsed. Some of these people went straight from the dock to, 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 to take public appointments, to sit in public office. And I think that they should have been allowed to go through the full trial uh, process. So that, I mean, if, if the court pronounces them as innocent, well and good. But we didn't even get the opportunity to, to let the court pronounce itself because those applications for withdrawal uh, were made. And I think that's why I, 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 I then even doubt our, our Acasta's passions on the priority that this particular government, current government, has put in regard to the fight against corruption. Because, and there are many Kenyans, there are so many Kenyans who could have been able to perform those roles that have been given to people with, you know, questionable character or who had, you know, questions to answer in regard to their conduct uh, management and management of, of public resources in, in their previous uh, capacities. There are many Kenyans who could have done that, that, that those, those jobs. We, are, we don't have a shortage of qualified professionals who could have worked in, in, in some of these offices. So I, I don't still understand why we had to have those particular people unless we want to use their skills mm -hmm. <laughs> and expertise in terms of siphoning public resources mm -hmm. to continue uh, that that um, venture of stealing public resources from the public. But I, what I would encourage this new government to do is really put good governance and, and particularly anti-corruption um, strategies um, and mechanisms at the center of their, their, their plan mm -hmm. uh, to, to redeem Kenya from the current economic situation. But Sheila, there are those who would argue that uh, looking at other models, particularly like the Asian models, China, ITC, that we are seeing countries elevate themselves out of poverty and move into middle income, middle income level and even higher, yet corruption was not at the center of their, center of their governance model. What would you say about that? I think there are some within even the current government who that's their thinking. How would you respond to that? I don't think then that kind of development is sustainable. It's not sustainable at all. Um, you only need to look even at, um, like Transparency International has done studies on um, the so-called developed countries, the studies uh, called you know, Trouble at the Top, where you seemingly you know, see countries doing <clears throat> very well, um, but then they have actually facilitated corruption, not just in their countries, but in, in, in other foreign countries. Um, even if you look at some of the, for example, development projects that have been supported uh, by our 
partners, can, development partners who have not put governance at the center. Look at the corruption scandals that have been born from these projects. Uh, look at SGR, for instance, how many corruption scandals came out of there uh, from <clears throat> issues around procurement, <clears throat> bribery, influence uh, peddling, cronism. Um, we had even cases in terms of the acquisition of land and those bribery involved. I mean, and there are some of these cases I know are, are, are still in court. Yeah, but that's just as an example, because we didn't put governance at the center of it. Uh, look at the, um, uh, the another case is the construction of the Nyali Bridge, you know, um, which has also been criticized for alleged corruption in the in the bidding process. So, I mean, the, the examples are there for all to see uh, because there was no emphasis on, on good governance. And for us, what we've been pushing for is that when development partners are supporting this country, because we want we want we want to continue receiving that support, particularly looking at where this country is. But we're also urging development partners to embrace um, accountability models, um, ensure there's a, there's, a, there's a component of social accountability that citizens are able to access information, particularly financial information. How much are you giving the government? You know, what, what specifically is it for? Open up those budgets and, and transactions uh, for Kenyans to be able to monitor. Open up those tendering processes for Kenyans to be able to monitor those processes, um, so that to, to and make sure that there's public participation to ensure that there's accountability in terms of how money is being used. Because this money is also coming from other taxpayers, uh, from other citizens in in other parts of the uh, of the world. So it's important that you know governance is is placed at the at the center of it. So that's actually a call that we've made uh, to development partners, the Chinese, the Western countries as well, that they must ensure that there's a, there's a component of social accountability, you know, public participation, access to information, to, 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 to ring fence those resources from theft. Before I let you go, uh, I think in 2015, uh, John Ligongo made a statement and said that uh, they are, we've reached, we've reached a, uh, fighting corruption has reached a glass ceiling. And when he was referring to here, uh, you know, building institutions, passing laws, uh, you know, policy, particularly at the macro level, has it a, a glass ceiling? And in your view, you know, as ED of TI, what's the next terrain of, of anti-corruption? What's the new paradigm? How do we, how do we start uh, engaging the, the youth and other people, other stakeholders who, who are not particularly the, the main state stakeholders to reinvigorate this struggle such that moving forward, the fight against graft can one get life of its own, mm -hmm. but you know have a new paradigm of thinking that becomes not just relevant but has resonance with the people. Definitely, right now where we are, I think we need to see. Uh, we really need to innovate um, interventions uh, touching on anti-corruption, and one way of doing this. In fact, I don't know that it's innovation or just going back to the basics, because I advocate that we, we need to just go back to understand ourselves as human beings. And as I mentioned earlier, we seem to have gotten to a stage where corruption is accepted. You know, it's celebrated. It's normal, you know. And I we need to get to a point where we just really understand human beings why do they behave the way they do? So kind of just understand the psychology of us, of ourselves as Kenyans, so we can be able then to understand better why we behave the way we do. And for me, that's the only way we'll be able now to start, you know, looking into, you know, just going back to basics in terms of good manners, because corruption really is, is something to do with, 
just how we behave, you know, uh, because it comes from an individual. Before we start looking at corruption within institutions, it actually starts from an individual. It's an individual sitting somewhere in a particular office, in a particular place of responsibility who agrees to be corrupted. Or it's someone who approaches that particular individual and offers to corrupt him, but why? So we need to understand that. And so we need to go through a process of behavior change as, as, as Kenyans. And it has to start from, you know, that, that, that four-year-old, three-year-old starting school you know, we need to start this process. In fact, I, I say, I, I, when I think about it, I would probably think around programming and starting with um, maybe say kids right now between four and eight, because it's these people who in say 10 to 15 years will be maybe voting uh, for the first time. And how corrupt we are is often reflected in how we vote and the decisions we make at the ballot, because <laughs> the more accepting of corruption uh, that we are, um, the more we are accepting towards individuals uh, who are not ethical and who have integrity issues. And that's what we've seen in the previous elections. <clears throat> We're increasingly voting for people who don't meet the leadership and integrity standards as prescribed in the constitution. Basically people who in, 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 in say in traditional or in older society, say in a hundred or 200 years ago, would not even be given a responsibility to even take care of our neighbors, you know, herd of cattle because they had issues. But here we are, allowing them to run institutions and, and control billions and billions of shillings. But it also speaks to us as individuals because we have accepted those people and, the be, and, and their conduct as normal. So we need to go through a process of behavior change. So crafting a behavior change model that will inspire cultural and individual behavior change in this country for me is, is critical. So I'd say that is part of going to the basics. But in terms of innovation, because now a lot of processes have gone digital uh, with the uh, you know, increasing uh, use of, of technology, even for, for, for government, government transactions, government services and so on. I think we need to see how we maybe um, push more for transparency in, in and openness of these uh, platforms. You know, so we're able to monitor, you know, financial transactions and, and, and other processes in government. I think the other thing that we need to see more just to fuel the fight against corruption is more collaboration amongst like-minded individuals, actors, you know, the progressives who want to see a change in this country. We can't afford to work in our silos and individually anymore. We, we must come together because we must catalyze a critical mass of actors who can be able to push for change. I think many of us are fighting this in, in our own corners and, and that's why we're getting worn out and tired, you know, so fast and giving up and getting frustrated. But I believe if we are more intentional in terms of, in terms of coming together as, as institutions across civil society, private sector, the religious sector as well, and also just getting progressive minded individuals, Kenyans, who really want to see a change in this country, we need to come together. Yeah, because that collaboration, that movement building is more important now, uh, more, more than ever. Thank you so much, Sheila, for your time here at Elephant.